0: Good morning friends, welcome to The Well, my name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. If you're new with us, you're our guest, and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to let us know you're here, just text the word WELCOME to 480 530 it'll text you back with a digital connect card, just fill it out and tell us about yourself, and you'll get more information about The Well. Thanks for being with us today, and today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent means arrival, and it's a season of waiting and preparing for the arrival of Jesus Christ at Christmas, and this Christmas will feel different than others, won't it? This is a different kind of Christmas. It's a different kind of year. We will celebrate Christmas during the darkness of a pandemic, when many of us are are physically distanced from people that we love. It may feel even more painful because we typically have warm, fuzzy feelings around Christmas and our our view of Christmas is kind of like a Hallmark card, an idyllic picture of light and inspiration. And this Christmas just won't feel like that. We think of uh, the lyrics of Silent Night, All was bright, all was calm, and that is just not the story of this Christmas. Now, the truth is, that's not what the first Christmas was like either. Uh, The real Christmas story tells us that Jesus was born into a world that was dark and noisy. It was not a silent night. All was not calm and all was not bright. It was a, a, a world ruled by dictators, a world in which there was fear of disease, a world in which there was increasing hatred for people who were perceived as different anyway and widening divisions in society. That is true of the time that Jesus was born into. So when we talk about light shining into the darkness this Christmas season, we now know what that darkness feels like, don't we? The first Christmas was a lot like ours. The world into, uh, into which Jesus was born was a lot like our world. And so in 2020, the real Christmas story means now more than ever. All was not calm. And today we're beginning the season of Advent, starting with the pain of the present, because this is 2020. Somebody said recently, 2020 is like the Depeche Mode of years. There are some cool things, but most of it was pretty dark. That's, that's true of 2020, isn't it? 2020 has been one of the most difficult years in our history. And as Americans, the truth is we don't do very well with dealing with pain and grieving. Americans are future-oriented people. We just want to move past it and move to to better days and think positively uh, as much as possible, which is a great thing. But at the same time, we don't grieve as well as other cultures. There are cultures that have set times for grief. When we experience pain is and as Americans, we often want to rush past that grief and get to the better days ahead. But without honestly acknowledging the pain that we are experiencing now. Somebody in our church uh, used a phrase recently on social media, toxic positivity, toxic positivity. And what they mean by that is people who minimize pain, it's, it's like a, a sense of denial. And they just want to jump over any kind of acknowledgement of pain or grief or trauma, and then just be happy, clappy, and act like everything's okay, even when it's not. And so we're we're seeing people in our society who are in denial. They're minimizing. They're denying COVID-19. They're denying the results of the election. They're they're just choosing to to live in some kind of you know toxic positivity phase that just seems to be never ending, but 2020 has been one of the most difficult years in American history, and one author has said that we are uh, experiencing the pandemic of 1918, the racial justice struggle of 1968, and the depression of 1929 all in the same year. Now that's overstating it, but there is some truth in that. 2020 has been a painful year, so I want to ask you a question if you're willing to participate, if you're willing to type something into the comments wherever you're watching this right now. What pain has 2020 caused you? If you named one thing, if you just wrote in the comments, one thing, what pain has 2020 caused you? If you're willing, would you type that into the comments right now? We have people in the well who lost a family member to COVID-19. They're grieving the loss of a loved one. We have people who lost jobs. We have people who who had COVID-19 and they're afraid of the long-term health effects. Of that we have people who have lost friends and family members to other causes of death we have people who live alone and the physical distancing has amplified their loneliness one of the most painful effects of 2020 on, on some people I know is the strain on their relationships. There's this phenomenon of COVID divorce, all one word, COVID and divorce put together in a too. just means that there were couples who were struggling and now the, the close proximity of the quarantine has amplified their struggles. And it's led to broken marriages. One of the most common experiences of pain in 2020 that I've heard is that there are, are strained relationships because of the election. Because of the division in our society. And they discovered you know, a friend or a family member holds views that they find repulsive. And, and it's difficult to be around people that we used to spend more time around. There's this feeling of alienation, of, of estrangement. And that's been incredibly painful in 2020 for many. So if you're willing, would you type one thing in the comments? Uh, one type of pain that you've experienced in 2020, And maybe you sharing would even be encouraging to somebody else. Now, maybe you've experienced some good things in 2020. I hope so. For some of us, the closeness of of our family has been great. You know, for me, it's it's like the opening to Charles uh, Dickens' novel, uh, A Tale of Two Cities. And Dickens wrote, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. Dickens wrote that in 1859 and the novel is set in London and Paris right before the French Revolution. And the reign of terror and it portrays the conditions the people of France lived in that led to the revolution when the lower classes were suffering the weight of injustice to the extent that there was a revolt and and Dickens didn't want the same kind of revolution to happen in Britain and so he warned his people to work for a better world and prevent that kind of revolution but it was the best of times and it was the worst of times in my own life I've I've felt that way does that ring true for you at all. But 2020 has been an incredibly difficult year. Well, this sermon series is based on what's called the Revised Common Lectionary and it's used by churches all over the world and there are scripture readings for every week and they rotate every three years. And the Advent season doesn't begin with the Christmas story but it begins with the darkness of the times that preceded Christmas and the darkness of times that, that we experience in the history of our world. They they come in in cycles when times are especially difficult. And the scriptures today are about suffering and waiting for something to change. Praying for things to change. Praying for God to do something. But the answer doesn't come as quickly as we would like or in the way that we would like. And we're in this season of, of waiting and of pain and even a season of trauma. And these are honest scriptures about living through the kind of year that 2020 has been. So I want to read these scriptures. And both of these scriptures are actually prayers. And I want to ask you, have you ever prayed anything like this? Or maybe if, if you don't, if you're not a prayer, <laughs> if you don't really pray that much, um, appreciate you watching this. But maybe these are, these are just feelings that you've had. Maybe they're prayers or maybe they just kind of speak to the kinds of feelings you felt. During 2020, So the first scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 5. And it's a prayer to God. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself. We transgressed. In other words, that prayer is, God, do something. (laughs) Have you prayed anything like that? Or maybe if you haven't prayed like that, have you had that feeling... Can we just be done with 2020 already? Have you, have you thought that? Can we just move on? You've looked at all the pain in our society and the, and the division and the pandemic. And you're like, can we just move on? Can we just get to better days here? That's this prayer in Isaiah chapter 64. Can you, can you identify with that prayer? Or like verse 5, they believe that they were being punished for their sins. Have you ever thought that maybe God is punishing you? For something that you did and now now you're you're paying a price and that's why life is so hard there are people who are raised in church or who read the Bible a lot and they get that idea that God is punishing them somehow let's read the second prayer this comes from Psalm 80 verses 3 through 6 restore us O God let your face shine that we may be saved O Lord God of hosts how long will you be angry with your people's prayers You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. This prayer hits home because in 2020 the enemies of the United States are literally laughing at us. Have you ever thought this year that you've just cried enough tears? You've you've just felt enough anxiety, enough worry about our society, enough worry about the future of America. And, and you just want to move on to better days. Can you identify with these prayers, with the stories of these people who are praying these prayers? How much longer do I have to go through the, through this? Can't we just live in a sane country and, and make a better life for everybody? But we're trapped in gridlock and division and the pandemic. Have you felt like these folks? Well, like the, the Charles Dickens novel, the conditions of the first Christmas remind us of ours. They were uh, languishing under the rule of dictators. The land that Jesus was born into was ruled by an egotistical dictator named Herod or Herod is how his name would have been pronounced. And he called himself Herod the Great, Herod the Great. And he built large structures in a never-ending quest to impress other people and build up his own ego. And it turns out he was actually a puppet king of the real king in the world, Caesar because the Roman Empire occupied the land that Jesus was born into, and they set up Herod as a puppet king, a client king. And there was fear of disease in the time of Jesus. Have you ever wondered why there are so many healing stories in the New Testament? When Jesus touches the leper, or gives sight to the blind, or, or helps the deaf to hear, there are so many healing stories in the New Testament because they struggled with disease. There was no medical science to speak of. And if a person developed a a patch of skin that was irregular, they were banished to a leper colony. It wasn't even contagious, but the people thought it was, and they were ostracized, and there was so much fear of disease. And most people were poor. When the Roman Empire came in and occupied the land in 63 B.C., they took land from people who owned their own farmland in an agrarian society when most people farmed, and then they made the people turn around and pay rent back to the Romans in order to farm their own land. And most of the crops they raised just went to pay their debt. Does that feel like something you can identify with? Being in debt and feeling financial stress and the conditions of the first Christmas remind us of 2020. And here at the beginning of Advent, there are some things we can take from the, the story of the first Christmas and apply it to our experience of the pain of 2020. First, God does not cause our pain. The people that wrote these scriptures hundreds of years before the first Christmas, they viewed God as the cause of everything. If good things happen in your your life, God was the cause of that, and you thanked God. If painful things happen in your life, God was the cause of that, and it must be that God is punishing you or teaching you a lesson. But, after several hundred years of that, before the time of Jesus, the people had begun to work out a different kind of belief for the most part. And, and, and for the most part, believe that God didn't cause everything. Although that belief did have some holdover into the time of Jesus. But do you feel that way sometimes? Do you at least wonder why God would allow you to experience the pain that you have? My grandmother had a profound effect on my life. I've talked about her lots of times in sermons. And I lived with my mom and grandparents until I was six. And so my, my grandmother was like a second mom to me. And she was what's called a licensed lay speaker in the United Methodist Church. When the pastor was gone, she would give the sermon. So she was a woman giving the sermon, you know, in the 1970s in a pretty conservative part of, of the Midwest. And she taught Bible study classes in Sunday school. And she was just this great lady. She was a leader. People looked up to her, looked up to her as this exemplary figure most importantly to me she was kind to me and and loved me and um, about 10 years before she died in 2007 she had her first stroke and it nearly incapacitated her her mind was still sharp but she couldn't speak clearly anymore But you could still have a conversation with her if you listened closely which i did lots of times and and some of my best memories are those last conversations I had with her she was almost bedridden she could sit in a chair for a couple of hours and then later on she was completely bedridden but a couple of times I remember having conversations with her after her stroke and she was suffering this is not where she wanted to be in life and she said to me that sometimes she thinks that maybe God was punishing her for something that she may have done earlier in her life And she wondered why God would allow this to happen to her. And this is somebody who lived a great life and that people looked up to. And she read her Bible every day and she went to church all the time. And she was just this great Christian woman. And from time to time, she still wondered if God was getting back at her for something. If God was punishing her, she wondered why God would allow this to happen to her. Have you ever felt like that? Jesus was asked a question like that, actually, in the New Testament. Luke chapter 13, some people asked Jesus about this terrible thing that had happened. And that if the people that were the victims of that were being punished by God, like God caused this or God allowed this to happen to punish them for some reason. So Jesus answers that question. And then he jumps to this story without anybody even asking him about it. He just jumps to this example and it's about this tower called the Tower of Siloam that had collapsed and killed 18 people that were underneath this tower. The Tower of Siloam stood just outside the, the southeast um, city wall of Jerusalem. And there was actually a spring near there that people who were chronically ill would visit And they believed that if the waters were were stirred in the spring, and if they got into the water first, that that water had healing power and they could be healed of their diseases. So this area was kind of like an ancient hospital. When people were, you know, going to seek whatever cure they thought could help them, there were people who were paralyzed. There were people who had been sick their entire lives. There were people who had recently gotten sick and experienced the loss of their health. And they were here near the pool of Siloam under this tower when it collapsed. And this was one of those tragic events that everybody just knew about. Because when something awful like that happens, it would be like a a hospital collapsing on people who are already suffering with sickness and they're killed. When something awful like that happens, what's the first question that people of faith ask? How could God allow something like this to happen? Have you asked that question in 2020? How could God allow this kind of thing to happen? And Jesus, without even being asked about the Tower of Siloam, he just volunteers this. He says, do you think any of the people who were killed when the tower fell were worse sinners than anybody else? And that God was punishing them, that God was getting back at them for something, or that God allowed this to happen to hurt those people somehow because they deserved it, they were bad somehow? Jesus flatly answers, no. That's not what God is like. God does not cause these things to happen to punish people. God does not allow them to happen to punish people. Of course, there are other questions there. A few months ago, we had a theologian named Thomas J. Ord who spoke about this question, does God even allow things to happen? And you could go back at wellchurch.org and listen to that sermon. It's on our Facebook page as well. But Jesus says... God did not cause that tower to fall. God does not cause COVID-19. God does not cause the economic downturn. God does not cause the division in our society that's led to so much pain and anxiety in our society. He just kind of leaves it unanswered. So the tower fell because of faulty materials or bad design or faulty craftsmanship. It's by natural causes, but that's not what God is like. That's an example of bad theology. We say at the well, bad theology hurts people. Actually, this Tuesday, our next pub theology, um, this Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, is going to be about this question. And by the way, this this Tuesday, December 1st, would be my grandma's 100th birthday, had she lived, um, and she was born on December 1st, uh, 1920, and this would be her 100th birthday. But our discussion question in, in pub theology this coming Tuesday is, how has your view of God changed over the course of your life? So maybe you've been on this journey of working out bad theology, things that you believed about God that caused greater pain in your life that you were already experiencing. Maybe you're, you know, we're all still on that journey in a sense. And so this coming Tuesday, the Zoom link is at wellchurch.org or in my weekly email that I send out on Fridays. And we're, we're going to you know, have a one-hour conversation, grab a pint of your favorite beverage, even if that's water. And we're going to discuss this question, how has your view of God changed over the course of... Of your life, but God is not punishing people by giving us experiences like we've had in 2020. That's not what God is like. So, when we experience painful events like we have this year, what we really need to do in order to experience the real meaning of Christmas is to grieve those losses. To experience the power of Christmas, we need to grieve the traumatic losses we've experienced in 2020. When I was in seminary, one of my professors uh, was a, a clinical counselor named Teresa. And she had a profound effect on me. Just being in her class uh, uh, allowed me to have so many insights that I still take with me. Do you have those teachers in your life that you look back on and, and you just remember you know, light bulbs coming on and, and what they shared in class just stuck with you? That was the kind of professor that, that Teresa was for me. And, I didn't know this at the time until I actually had a conversation with my wife about um, what I learned in class. And and this this all came together, like the puzzle fit together. But Teresa's son was the same age as my wife. And he actually went to the same college we did. He went to college his freshman year for a few months and he had been battling cancer for a long time. And during his freshman year, he, he couldn't stay at school. He went home and he died after battling cancer and I didn't know him at the time but less than 10 years later, his mom was one of my professors, Teresa. And so she knew the grief of of losing a son and she was a highly skilled counselor. And one of the things that she said in this class has stuck with me. She said, every loss must be grieved. Every loss must be grieved. So what losses have you experienced? In 2020 is it the loss of a loved one well that's certainly a loss that must be grieved but a lot of times that's all we think about when we think of grief is the death of a loved one but there are all kinds of losses have you lost a job have you lost finances have you lost time and energy spent feeling anxious and worrying about what's happening in our country and the future of our country have you experienced the loss of a, a relationship because there are strained relationships over the election uh, have you uh, felt the loss of, of uh, your work situation or, or just normalcy and life feeling normal? Those are all losses. And as Teresa said, every loss must be grieved. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was one of the leading voices, uh, he was a Christian pastor, one of the leading Christian voices against Nazism in Germany, wrote in God is in the Manger, Reflections on Advent and Christmas. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. According to Bonhoeffer, you can only experience the power of Christmas when you are troubled in soul, when you are grieving a loss, when you know what the darkness feels like. That's the only time you can really appreciate the light? What losses do you need to grieve here in 2020? Well, for many of us who live in a culture that doesn't really grieve very well, we need to learn how to grieve. So how do we grieve all of these losses that we've experienced? Well, like these prayers in Isaiah and Psalms that we read, um, these prayers are actually a form of telling our story, of expressing how we feel. And, and when we feel grief, we express it and we talk about it with friends and, or, or some other way. We journal or if you're a creative, you draw or you write songs or however you can express it and get that, that grief out. We grieve through storytelling. Story Prayer is not magic. In, in Isaiah and in the Psalms, these people were expressing their grief they longing to God, but God did not instantly take away their pain. There are times when we pray for something and something amazing happens. But if we're honest, those times are few and far in between. The percentage of times that that happens, it's very, it's very low. Most of the time, when we pray an honest prayer from, from a deep place, gut-wrenching prayers, most of the time those prayers are really expressing what's happening in our lives they're telling our story prayer is a form of storytelling of expressing your grief the prayer itself is the act of grieving if that's true then the prayer itself becomes the answer to our prayer talking to god or even if it's if it's not praying if it's talking to a friend about how we're doing and about our, our grief and our sadness and what we've lost expressing ourselves is the way that we deal with grief and for those who have grieved in healthy ways you know what this is like grief is an emotion that comes up whether we want it to or not we're not in control of it and there are times we think we've grieved for a long time and then BAM out of nowhere those feelings of grief come back and, and you know If you've grieved in a healthy way that what you do is when that grief comes you feel it you express it you talk about it with people who care about you you tell stories if it's a loved one maybe you you look at old photos or you look at objects that that belong to them and and you talk about them and you remember and you express you tell your story we grieve by telling our story we don't deny it we don't minimize it Uh, we don't minimize it we express it so as you express grief as you tell your story slowly over time the grief subsides we wish it happened a lot faster but gradually too slowly it feels but that grief loses its power over time that's how we grieve by telling our story and I want to share something with you that is an exercise that comes from the Harvard Business Review and here at the, the beginning of the Christmas season, at the end of 2020, maybe this exercise can help you to process the pain of 2020 and to grieve those losses that you have experienced. So in September, the Harvard Business Review published a leadership resource entitled An Exercise to Help Your Team Overcome the Trauma of the Pandemic by Lisa Zagami and Davia Larson. It's meant to be a resource for business leaders and, and managers to guide their teams through COVID-19 and through 2020, but it applies to everything in 2020. You could, you could use this by yourself or you could Skype or Zoom or FaceTime with a friend and you, you could actually get a hold of them and say, hey, I learned this exercise. Do you want to work through this exercise together over Zoom? And so you could do the same thing. And the authors write, how we cope with this trauma will define our inner lives, our businesses, our communities, and our world. As businesses and employees resume operations, how do we collectively brave a changing work environment? As an organizational psychologist and business consultant, we suggest that the surest and fastest way to return to productive, high-performance work is through storytelling and story listening, designed to activate post-traumatic Growth. They go on to say that you know, most of us are familiar with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, but we may not be familiar with PTG, post-traumatic growth. And they define this growth as the transformative positive change that can occur as a result of a struggle with great adversity. So this is growth that we can experience in the aftermath of trauma, of loss, as we're grieving. And research shows that people who make meaning out of trauma, who who uh, bring post-traumatic growth out of these struggles, experience an increased sense of their own inner strength and capacities to prevail, improved relationship with others, including a greater sense of belonging as we share what we're going through with each other, we belong together, a greater sense of compassion, and an increased sense of purpose and appreciation for life and they give examples, like a work example might be you lost a job or you missed out on a promotion, but then you can pursue a new role that aligns better with your skills and with your goals or, or personal examples of trauma, like uh, surviving breast cancer or, or having a miscarriage or people who suffer from protracted grief or firefighters who experience trauma in their job and, and grief like we've experienced in, in 2020. And we can, we can come back from these traumatic experiences in a way that helps us to grow post-traumatic growth. And they give this technique for storytelling, being able to tell what's happened to us to other people and express our grief. And then we listen to their stories. And then that's how we grow. That's how we become better after this trauma. And here are the questions To help with your storytelling. If you wanted to do this with a friend, you know, after church over FaceTime or somebody in your family, here are questions that can help you to tell your story and grieve and process what you've experienced in 2020. So number one, what is the greatest loss you experienced during COVID-19? Or you could generalize this to 2020. What is the greatest gain you experienced during COVID-19 or 2020? What are you learning about yourself during COVID-19 or 2020? What would it look like if you applied your learnings going forward? And then what two words or short phrases will remind you of how to apply what you're learning? And so what if you asked a friend to talk with you and and go through this storytelling exercise? You can express your grief that come from the losses that that you've experienced in 2020 and tell your story And then you can listen to theirs. And then here at the beginning of the Advent season, we can allow the Christmas story to inspire our story. We can allow the Christmas story to become a model for our story because you can choose your own ending. You can choose the answer to your story. And if you choose an ending like the Christmas story, what that means is darkness does not end at the end of your darkness there is light at the end of your grief there is healing and hope at the end of your pain there is something better there's there's post-traumatic growth the Christmas story is about light shining in darkness when God finally hears the prayer God rolls up God's sleeves and God gets involved in the human experience in the form of the baby Jesus being born in poverty in a manger, an animal feeding trough on the first Christmas. And and God suffers with us and feels what we feel and shows us a better way and how to bring light into the darkness. And as you grieve and tell your story, the Christmas story can be a model for your story. And you can choose the ending and light can shine into your darkness. In a year that's been dominated by a virus, I wanted to close with a story of someone who experienced trauma and pain and grief but created something out of that that went viral and chose a good ending that accelerated medical research and and, uh, that brought healing to so many more people. Pat Quinn learned that he had ALS. It's also known as Lou Gehrig's disease just after he turned 30 years old. And ALS is a progressive neurodegenerative disease that attacks the nerve cells that control voluntary muscle movements and it eventually leads to full paralysis. And people with ALS typically live three to five years after their diagnosis. And in 2013, Pat Quinn created a Facebook group right after he was diagnosed called Quinn for the Win to raise awareness about the disease and and to raise money to fight for a cure. And then another young guy who was recently diagnosed named Pete Freights created his own Facebook group called Team Freight Train to to do the same thing. And in July 2014, they saw another ALS patient, Anthony Sinertia, uh, do what became known as the ice bucket challenge. When he dumped a bucket of ice water over himself and then challenged his friends to do the same thing to raise awareness about ALS and to raise funds for research so they created their own ice bucket challenge videos and then they challenged their followers to do the same thing and of course you know it went absolutely viral so celebrities from from Lady Gaga to LeBron James and and so many more for six weeks participated in the ice, the ice bucket challenge and at the end of that six weeks, Pete and, uh, and his friends and Pat, Pat Quinn, raised $220 million around the world for ALS research. Out of their pain, out of their trauma, they told their story. And they told it in a way that went viral and shined light into the darkness. Pat Quinn died this past week at the age of 37, and Pete died last year at 34. And Kalanit Balas, the president and chief executive of the ALS Association, said in a statement this past Sunday, Pat changed the trajectory of the fight against ALS forever. He inspired millions to get involved and care about people who are living with ALS. Mr. Quinn's efforts dramatically accelerated the effort to end ALS, leading to new research discoveries, expanded care for people living with ALS, and greater investment by the government in ALS research. Pat and and the rest of these guys, they told their story to each other, and then they told their story to the world. And they chose the end of their story. And it was to bring light into the darkness. And we begin this Advent season in a dark world at the end of 2020. A year of pain and and trauma for so many of us. And when the Christmas story speaks of light shining into the darkness, we know what that darkness feels like now. We know what the world was like during the first Christmas. And the pain and the trauma of 2020 must be grieved. Every loss must be grieved. And we grieve through storytelling, through expressing it when it comes up and sharing your story and sharing what's been painful about it and how you're doing and, and, and looking forward to something better. And as we share our story, the Christmas story can become a model for us. And we can choose a better ending than we're experiencing right now when light truly does shine into the darkness. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for these scriptures. The prayers of people who were trying to deal with the darkness of their world. And these prayers are really examples of them telling their story. And we can identify with their story. Wondering, God, why don't you do something? Or can't things change? Why can't we just get to to something better now? Waiting and expecting a better day, but it just seems like the darkness persists. God, we know as Jesus said that you are not the cause of this darkness, you're not the cause of our pain, but you do give us a model of dealing with our pain, of of grieving the losses that we've experienced. Whether it's prayer or whether it's telling our story to a friend, it's that storytelling, it's expressing our pain that helps us to work through that grief. Every loss must be grieved. And as we tell our story, whether it's telling it to you honestly, the way that these scriptures, scriptures show us, or it's telling it to a friend and, and listening to their story, we get to, to process our own grief and, and then we get to choose the ending to our story. And we can, we can be expire, inspired by the Christmas story that our grief will end with hope. And light gives way to darkness when we choose to be on God's side, on good's side. And like Pat Quinn, we can grieve and tell our story, but we can do so in a way that brings a better ending than we ever could have imagined and shines the light into the darkness that other people experience. We thank you, God, that we have that opportunity here as we enter this 2020 Christmas season. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.